0: Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake.
1: And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and Dungeon Master myself. And today, we're here to talk to you about... Weapons. So continuing on with our equipment series, uh, did armor last week and now just all about the various weapons that exist in Dungeons and Dragons. So we're going to be going through the more standard weapons that exist and how they are actually to be used, because even though hit thing with stick and hit thing with sword is such an iconic part of Dungeons and Dragons, there are a few fiddly little rules involved that a lot of people just don't really know about. So, uh, just for curiosity's sake, before I go into all the rules and ranting and such as I do so love to do, just, do you have a favorite weapon?
0: Well, not really, but I would say, like, because of Garis specific, specifically, like, the Great <laughs> Axe is pretty memorable.
1: All right. Do you ever just have the uh, whole debate with anyone about, like, what would be your zombie apocalypse weapon?
0: Oh, personally, um, I don't know, like... Give me a sec, I'm just going to look around. Probably <laughs> just a metal ruler, because that's like, okay, imag- like what I'm imagining right now is if there was a zombie apocalypse and I was stuck in my room at this very second, the best weapon I have is a one meter long metal ruler. So yeah, okay. let's just go with that.
1: Interesting. Alright. Do you know what a kukri is? Nope. Alright. It's a Kind of curved short sword, uh, incredibly effective weapon at removing limbs and heads, while still being an incredibly just light, nimble weapon. So it's really neat looking. I'll have to show you a picture another time, but it is neat. And I actually do have one. Thank you, Internet. Yeah, I, I totally am one of those just weird guy who has knives and swords that, to I'm sure few people shock, is indeed just the type of nerd that I am. Anyway... Going away from my non-existent social life.
0: Remember, guys, this is a man with a murder axe collection.
1: Hey, 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 hey. hey. What? Late. Uh, axes. Well, no, I do have axes, too. That's actually not true. Uh, oh, man, that's one disappointing thing about missing out on DragonCon this year is that I actually did last year take a bunch of people from the Dungeons and Randomness fan community to go axe throwing because it's something that I'm pretty good at. So that was actually quite a fun time. And that was also my plan for when you and I got to finally meet to go axe throwing. Uh, All right. Anyway, actual Dungeons and Dragons weapons, however, there are a lot of them and it really just wouldn't be worth any of our time for me to go through the list of all of the weapons. The plan for this is to go over the various weapon types and weapon properties and how all of those different rules do interact with each other in terms of how your character is able to use the weapons in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. So, Uh, starting from here in the player's handbook. Weapons. Your class grants proficiency in certain weapons, reflecting both the class's focus and the tools you're most likely to use. Whether you favor a long sword or a long bow, your weapon and your ability to wield it effectively can mean the difference between life and death while adventuring. The weapons table shows the most common weapons used in the worlds of D&D, their price and weight, the damage they deal when they hit, and any special properties they possess. Every weapon is classified as either melee or ranged. A melee weapon is used to attack a target within five feet of you, whereas a ranged weapon is used to attack a target at a distance. And those two details are incredibly important in just melee or range, because this is just honestly something that comes up a surprising amount in D&D, which is just that if you have someone who's next to you and you need to just try to shoot them with your bow, what happens? And how to resolve that is something we'll just be going over momentarily once I do get through all of the properties here. Your class, race, and feats can grant you proficiency with certain weapons or categories of weapons. The two categories are simple and martial. Most people can use simple weapons with proficiency. These weapons include clubs, maces, and other weapons often found in the hands of commoners. Martial weapons, including swords, axes, and pole arms, require more specialized training to use effectively. Most warriors use martial weapons because these weapons put their fighting style and training to best use. Proficiency with a weapon allows you to add your proficiency bonus to the attack roll for any attack you make with that weapon. If you make an attack roll using a weapon with which you lack proficiency, you do not add your proficiency bonus to the attack roll. So, that last bit is actually incredibly important because another extraordinarily common just thing that happens in Dungeons and Dragons is the character who wants to use a non-standard weapon. So if you want to have like that wizard who has a sword, but they have no sword proficiencies, then what happens in that situation? So the answer just is you don't get to add your proficiency bonus. So as a quick reminder, that is the number that represents how good your character is at the things that they are trained with, proficient with. And that goes from two at first level up to six way later on. So the accuracy of attacks in Dungeons and Dragons is designed to be relatively consistent throughout the game. However, something that is honestly worth consideration is if you do just really want to do a specific thing, then for the first few levels, really, it would just mean that you don't get to add your plus two proficiency. But if you happen to roll really well or just use point by to really pump up you know you're starting your main stat of your character if you have let's say a 16 strength what this really means then is, well actually not strength. let's actually say you're a wizard who's very dexterous and then but you really just want to be able to stab someone with a rapier in the face because why not then in that situation let's say you've got you know 16 intelligence and 16 dexterity then that would mean that instead of it being a plus five you know plus three for the 16 decks then plus two proficiency then they would have just the plus three so plus three versus plus five to your d20 attack roll honestly isn't that huge a difference and if you're in a higher magic world that has you know plus one plus two magic items accessible then that could even be more mitigated relatively easily there's definitely Way more difference if you are way higher level in the game, but by that point, there are ways to gain proficiency that would make that just completely irrelevant by that point. So if you want to start a character with a non standard weapon, You can, because it's it's just a plus two for the first like four levels. Because I think it's only when you get to level five that your proficiency bonus goes up to plus three, and at fourth level is also where you'd get a feat, which is one of the ways to gain weapon proficiencies. So there's a lot of people that just think it is impossible to wield a weapon that you are not proficient with, or it is disadvantage if you are using a weapon you're not proficient with, which would suck. But it's actually not that bad. It's just not adding that proficiency bonus. So, now let's move on to the weapon's properties. Many weapons have special properties related to their use, as shown in the weapons table. Ammunition. You can use a weapon that has the ammunition property to make a ranged attack, only if you have ammunition to fire from the weapon. Each time you attack with the weapon, you expend one piece of ammunition. Drawing the ammunition from a quiver, case, or other container is part of the attack you need a free hand to load a one-handed weapon. At the end of the battle, you can recover half your expended ammunition by taking a minute to search the battlefield. If you use a weapon that has the ammunition property to make a melee attack, you treat the weapon as an improvised weapon, which we'll talk about in a moment. A sling has to be loaded to deal any damage when used in this way. So this is your ranged weapons. This is your sling, your bow, your crossbow, all of those things. You need ammunition of some type to use them, whether that is an arrow, bolt, a rock, whatever the case may be. So the fact that it is part of the action is definitely an important little detail to know. So you don't need a bonus action to you know draw an arrow from your quiver. You don't need to use like your object interaction on your turn. It's just part of the attack. It's assumed that someone who is able to just fire a bow can just knock an arrow and just let it go very quickly. And if you botch the attack roll, then that is the representation of you botching it. So it's totally fine to just imagine even a character who's not actually good at a ranged attack can just quickly pull an arrow and fire it. Like, I am an overweight nerd. I am not great at archery. But I could still just pull out a bow and, you know, pull out an arrow, knock it and fire it relatively fast and just kind of hope for the best. So I'm not proficient with bows. So just I, Remy, you know, level one, maybe human would just make that attack without proficiency and without a particularly good dex bonus. So that checks out actually logically to how it does apply in the game. Also, that second part is important as well. You can recover half your expended ammunition by taking a minute after the battle. Good to know. And then that last bit that a lot of people, if someone does like walk up to the person with a bow, then, you know, you can smack them with the bow. But it counts as an improvised weapon, which, again, we'll get into more detail on shortly. All right. Next up, finesse when making an attack with a finesse weapon you use your choice of the strength or dexterity modifier excuse me uh, for the attack and damage roles you must use the same modifier for both roles so this is a super super helpful thing for a lot of characters honestly because normally a melee weapon is just strength based a finesse weapon means that it is nimble enough to use your dexterity So this is specifically the type of weapon that, you know, a monk, if they didn't have their martial arts ability, might want to use. This is what a rogue will want to use. So this is things like a dagger, a rapier, the things that are just very nimble to be used and therefore is able to be used to make the attack with dexterity. Next up, heavy creatures that are small or tiny have disadvantage on attacks with heavy weapons. A heavy weapon's size and bulk make it too large for a small or tiny creature to use effectively. So this rule is what we talked a little bit about back in Oversized Weapons, which is attacking with a weapon that is too big for you can make it attack with disadvantage is a good way to balance out the potential extra damage that the heavy weapon puts on. And so we have it kind of spelled out here that that's a logical way to interpret such a rule. Next up, we have the opposite version, Light. A light weapon is small and easy to handle, making it ideal for use when fighting with two weapons. Uh, See the rules for two weapon fighting in chapter nine. That's not so helpful. So I'm actually going to tangent a little bit to actually talk about two weapon fighting now, because that's another one of those kind of misunderstood rules that's really quite important nonetheless. So two weapon fighting. When you take the attack action and attack with a light melee weapon that you're holding in one hand, you can use a bonus action to attack with a different light melee weapon that you're holding in the other hand. You don't add your ability modifier to the damage of the bonus attack unless that modifier is negative. If either weapon has the throne property, which, again, we'll get to in a moment, you can throw the weapon instead of making a melee attack with it. So this is something that all characters are able to do. There is a two-weapon fighting style, which grants fighters or rangers who have that the ability to add their strength or dexterity, just depending to the damage of their bonus action attack but any character you can have a barbarian who wields just two hand axes that just wants to get more attacks instead of you know something bigger like a two-handed weapon so you can then have it just be okay barbarian 16 strength so that would be uh, plus three and then plus two proficiency so plus five to the attack roll in the d20 crap you miss that sucks normally at low levels that would just be the end of your turn but this barbarian who has another axe in their off hand can then use a bonus action to also make that attack so again plus five plus the d20 however that detail that is important to understand here is that you don't add your ability modifier so normally the damage on a hand axe would be uh well that's a d6 plus your strength so, this barbarian then, they miss their first attack, which would normally be a d6 plus 3. The other attack, though, does not add the strength. So, it's just a flat d6. So, that is the trade off. You get an extra attack, but you do not get to take the full damage. So, it would just be a d6 instead of a d6 plus 3. Um, way skipping ahead, but just to also make it known here. In the event that you do have like two magic weapons somehow, then you do still add whatever plus it is. So if you have a plus one axe in each hand and then miss the first hit on the bonus action attack, then you do still add the plus one. So you don't get to be a d6 plus three plus one. You just do that d6 plus one for the magic weapon. Anyway, that was a tangent going back uh, to the property side of things. Loading. Because of the time required to load this weapon, you can fire only one piece of ammunition from it when you use an action, bonus action, or reaction to fire it, regardless of the number of attacks you can normally make. So this is most specifically applied to crossbows. Crossbows normally take time to load, hence the existence of this property. The intention is that a crossbow will generally do a little bit more damage than a bow so you are not able to use extra attack if you have a crossbow so if you have like a level five fighter normally they would get two attacks but if a fighter is far away and trying to fire a crossbow they would not be able to use their extra attack because of this loading property and one very important detail to know about that that is a big restriction on you know fighters and just anyone who has extra attack but there is a feat crossbow expert that we i think actually briefly mentioned in the firearms episode come to think of it but uh that feat does get rid of the loading property which makes it accessible and just is a really good feat in general i'm pretty sure i've ranted about that one a number of times Anyway, next up, range. A weapon that can be used to make a ranged attack has a range shown in parentheses after the ammunition or thrown property. The range lists two numbers. The first is the weapon's normal range in feet, and the second indicates the weapon's long range. When attacking a target beyond normal range, you have this advantage on the attack roll. You can't attack a target beyond the weapon's long range. Another very important thing, how far away can you attack something? So I'll stick with the longbow for this example. So that has 150, parenthesis, 600. So you can attack normally, easily within 150 feet, and you just roll your normal attack roll. But if you roll from 151 to 600 feet you're able to make the shot but it's a lot harder you know they've got a little more time to dodge or see it coming or it just has lost some power along the way so you're attacking with disadvantage and if you're trying to shoot farther than 600 feet away then you just can't because the arrow just doesn't have enough force going that far to even really hurt anything like it would have trouble even just st- well no it' still stuck in the ground at that point, but it wouldn't really stick in any significant amount of armor it would it just doesn't have the force to hurt anymore past the long range, so that makes sense next up reach this weapon adds five feet to your reach when you attack with it as well as when determining your reach for opportunity attacks with it. so this is nifty, and this is mostly for spears pole well not spear spear, but for pole arms. So pole arms will give you the extra reach, which means that instead of someone triggering an opportunity attack when they walk away from five feet of you next to you, if you have a pole arm, you're able to make the opportunity attack if they just move away from you within 10 feet of your character. So having that just extra reach to your weapon can be quite a significant advantage for the sake of opportunity attacks to just defend an area or a doorway. It's helps. Special. A weapon with the special property has unusual rules governing its use explained in the weapon's description. Not the most helpful description there. Anyway, Throne. If a weapon has the Throne property, you can throw the weapon to make a ranged attack. If the weapon is a melee weapon, use the same ability modifier for that attack roll and damage roll that you would use for a melee attack with a weapon. For example, if you throw a hand axe, you use your strength. But if you throw a dagger, you can use your strength or your dexterity, since the dagger has the finesse property. Two-handed. This weapon requires two hands when you attack with it. This property is relevant only when you attack with a weapon, not when you simply hold it. Oddly enough, this one comes up more than I would have expected it to as well. So if you have a character with a great sword, they don't have to drop the sword if they want to just like pull out a healing potion or something like that. They can just hold the sword in one hand if they need to just grab something. They don't, yeah, but to attack with the weapon, you do need to have both hands on it to be able to swing it with the requisite force. And then last one here, versatile. This weapon can be used with one or two hands. A damage value in parentheses appears with the property. The damage when the weapon is used with two hands to make a melee attack. So this is actually a really cool and underappreciated thing. So this is things like uh, quarterstaff. The longsword also is this. So a longsword, if you just slash with one hand, will do 1d8 Slashing damage. But if you use both hands on a longsword, then you can get more force with the swing, which could obviously make sense. So then it will do a d10 instead of a d8. So this is one of those details that does just live up to the name it makes a weapon more versatile so if you have a weapon with this property you can have the type of you know fighter who has you know long sword and shield and then in the event they just want to do that extra bit of damage then they can just like drop their shield have the sword in two hands and just swing for that extra potential bit of damage so it's just a kind of cool useful detail on the weapon that does allow the character to do kind of more with it Improvised weapons, another one that really comes up a lot and is probably actually one of the more misunderstood details of how it works. Sometimes characters don't have their weapons and have to attack with whatever is at hand. An improvised weapon includes any object you can wield in one or two hands, such as broken glass, a table leg, a frying pan, somebody's a tangled fan, a wagon wheel, or a dead goblin? That's a weird example to use there. I didn't remember that one there. Anyway, uh, often an improvised weapon is similar to an actual weapon and can be treated as such. For example, a table leg is akin to a club. At the DM's option, a character proficient with a weapon can use a similar object as if it were that weapon and use his or her proficiency bonus. An object that bears no resemblance to a weapon deals 1d4 damage. The DM assigns a damage type appropriate to the object. If a character uses a ranged weapon to make a melee attack, or throws a melee weapon that does not have the thrown property, it also deals a d4 damage. An improvised thrown weapon has a normal range of 20 feet and a long range of 60 feet. So, there was actually quite a lot in there. The most important being, of course, just that if you are just in like a bar brawl and you just grab stuff and use it in a fight, then you just have the option at dm discretion, which is an important detail to remember, to just okay, if I do just break a table leg off then. A table leg, well actually, table leg could be pretty big. So I would say that might even be a great club. While you might say that if you just have like a beer bottle, you might just treat that as a club. Well, yeah, or a mug, I should say, not a bottle necessarily, because D D. Anyway, also just the improvised damage is another just important detail to know. So a D4 damage, and that's it, which is odd because that takes no consideration for the size or weight of the object. But it does mention that the DM will assign an appropriate damage type. So if it's sharp, it's, you know, slashing or piercing. You know, if it's blunt, then bludgeoning. That that part makes sense. But the fact that it's always a D4 instead of just something assigned by the DM for the size or weight of the object is kind of weird. So that is actually one of the rules that I rather seriously disagree with.
0: Like I, I want to imagine that a, imagine like a giant picks up a a, a house or something and then hits you with it. It's just like one d4. Yeah,
1: that that's ridiculous. I, I am not
0: proficient in house, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> However, that relates to another incredibly useful feat is actually something called Tavern Brawler. For that exact kind of analogy of the bar fight which is as far as i'm aware at least the only way to gain proficiency with improvised weapons maybe there's some subclass that grants it but none that actually comes to mind but that feat does give you proficiency with any improvised weapon which is interesting but still doesn't actually change the damage like, that feat does also make it so that you're able to punch better, a d4 instead of just one, but it doesn't actually do anything to boost the damage of improvised objects. By rules as written, improvised objects are just always a d4, which is dumb. Don't, don't do that. Make more logical rules. So focus more on the compare it to a normal weapon angle and ignore that it's always a d4, because, again, dumb. All right. Next up, silvered weapons. Some monsters that have immunity or resistance to non-magical weapons are susceptible to silver weapons, so cautious adventurers invest extra coin to plate their weapons with silver. You can silver a single weapon or 10 pieces of ammunition for 100 gold. This cost represents not only the price of the silver, but the time and expertise needed to add silver to the weapon without making it less effective. Weirdly enough, this does not come up as often as I feel it ought to. Werewolves are well known to be just a classic creature used in D&D. There's a lot of undead that might have that kind of vulnerability, but I just don't see silver weapons get used really nearly often enough because a hundred gold for an adventurer isn't really that much if you've been like playing for a long period of time or starting a higher level and yet i really just don't see that as often as i feel you ought to which is just of interest to me so next up you've got special weapons lance you have disadvantage when you use a lance to attack a target within five feet of you Also, a lance requires two hands to wield when you aren't mounted. So, the lance is very much designed around mounted combat, and honestly, that's probably just going to have to be an episode in its own right at some point in the future, so I'm just going to kind of leave that one there for now. Net. A large or smaller creature hit by a net is restrained until it is freed. A net has no effect on creatures that are formless or creatures that are huge or larger. A creature can use its action to make a DC 10 strength check, freeing itself or another creature within its reach on a success. Dealing 5 slashing damage to the net, which has an AC of 10, also frees the creature without harming it, ending the effect, and destroying the net. When you use an action, bonus action, or reaction to attack with a net, you can only make one attack regardless of the number of attacks you can normally make. So again, much like the loading property, a net is just really not a nimble object to attack with, so you are only able to make one attack even if you do have extra attack. Now then, net also has another important detail that is worth talking about, which is its range, because they do not spell this out, which is dumb. A net's range is 5 slash 15. Which means you can only throw it at someone next to you or someone up to 15 feet away with disadvantage. The problem comes with another important detail of ranged combat, which is if you try attacking a character next to you with a ranged weapon, you have disadvantage on the attack roll. So, this is a very, very important detail for all ranged weapons to be aware of. If you have a bow and you try to shoot someone next to you, you have disadvantage. It is also good to know, however, that if you try to shoot someone else who is farther away while someone is next to you, that does not trigger an opportunity attack, that does not have disadvantage on your character, you can make such an attack. It is only when you try to shoot someone who is next to you that you have disadvantage on the roll. And the reason that that is especially relevant with a net is that the range is basically lying to you. So at five feet, in theory, you would not have disadvantage just based on the normal rules. But because it is someone next to you, you have disadvantage. And if you throw it at someone farther away, you have disadvantage. So the net result, teehee, is that... You always have disadvantage using a net unless you have advantage from something which will merely cancel it out to a normal attack roll. But generally speaking, you always have disadvantage attacking with a net, which is honestly one of the reasons that I don't know that I've ever actually seen a player character ever actually want to use a net because they're just not really usable in any kind of practical way. So that's actually it in terms of the rules as written in regards to weapons. So there is, however, one very important detail that I want to bring up. So it was mentioned that at the very start, it said that these are the most common weapons in the worlds of D&D. So that implies a lot of dm creativity is available it implies that other things can exist so one thing that a lot of people don't know is that in the dungeon master's guide there actually is a whole section called flavors of fantasy at the bottom of chapter one where they actually mention a huge list of just other types of weapons just by their uh names in other cultures so it actually mentions this whole section is for wuxia so they have like the, the chinese or japanese names for a lot of the different weapons so it mentions you know that you can have a tonfa instead of a club that you can have a tanto instead of a dagger that you can have shuriken instead of darts so if you really just want to have a character that just you know has shuriken instead of darts as a monk you can totally lean more into that kind of ninja side of things if you want to have you know a naginata instead of a glaive and it just has this massive massive list of weapons just by their alternate names if you want to have a character who uses a katana which is probably the most common version of this that i have certainly seen then that is equivalent to the longsword and no we are not going to get into any kind of katana versus longsword debate They are just both good swords. So that being said, there are huge lists of weapons that exist in the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons. There are ways to use other things that aren't in what is listed. As long as the player and DM are on the same page in terms of what they want to use, then any character can swing any weapon if that is what they want to do.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tier stars loves a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind the scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where we have a chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast, on Facebook at Riffwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash And now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com.
1: That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Howdy, folks. Remy again. Unfortunately, this is one of those very much hated situations where I done fucked up. Uh, In the episode, I mentioned that you're able to attack someone with a ranged weapon, even if you have an enemy next to you, as long as you're not attacking them. That was wrong. The correct answer, it turns out, is in chapter 9, which I just did not have open at the time and noticed immediately after finishing the recording. The correct answer is thus. Ranged attacks in close combat. Aiming a ranged attack is more difficult when a foe is next to you. When you make a ranged attack with a weapon, a spell, or some other means, you have disadvantage on the attack roll if you are within 5 feet of a hostile creature who can see you and who isn't incapacitated. So making a ranged attack... At all, if an enemy is next to you, will have that disadvantage. My bad. You know how to book flights and
0: hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place